Good morning. I hope you had a good sleep. I had a good sleep when I slept. I've recently returned from Asia and my body is yet to acknowledge that. <laughs> so I've been up for quite a bit. But I'm blessed and thankful. I feel good in the presence of the Lord and and the purpose of what he has for me, but us, what he has for you. God has purpose for your life and that you take the time to seek out podcasts and books and social media accounts and the efforts you go through to be connected to him to have guidance that is a powerful movement that you are making I am wanting to continue studying Jesus in chronological order yesterday we talked about the baptism of repentance I want to study Jesus because I want to be like Jesus I have no pretense of the direction I want my life to go I want it to go exactly as Jesus would have it go I want to walk in his ways and so I want to study Jesus to be like Jesus the the Christians were not originally called Christians they were disciples they were believers um, that's what they called themselves but it was outsiders who called them Christians you know when you look at the New Testament you have books like Philippians and Ephesians that I-A-N-S on the ends of those words indicates the people who were of a city so the people of Ephesus were called Ephesians the people of Philippi were called Philippians just like people who live in the United States of America we are called Americans and when the believers in Antioch were called Christians, I-A-N-S. That was outsiders looking at them and saying, you are not acting like people of Antioch. You live here, you do business here, but there's, there's, you have a different culture than the rest of us. You are not of Antioch you are in Antioch but you are not of Antioch you are of Christ and so they called them Christians first in Antioch and 
I don't want to just be a Christian and label only. I don't want it just to be a label. I want to be like Christ. I want to be his hands. I want to be his voice. The way he brought peace and calm to chaotic, stormy situations. I want to do that. The way Jesus gave hope to hopeless people. I want to do that. The way he raised the dead to life. I want to bring life to people. I want to be a part of God's work on this earth. I know what Danae is capable of. I know my failures and shortcomings. I've already experienced me. I don't want me. I want Jesus. I don't want me. I want Jesus. Yesterday in our study of Jesus, we looked at his baptism of repentance and he said he did that because it was important to fulfill all righteousness and we've got to ourselves live a life of repentance because if we are going to fulfill all righteousness, all right behaviors, if we're going to fulfill complete all right behaviors, then we're going to have to have a change of mind and a a change of purpose. We live a life of repentance to take on the mind of Christ. Christ told his disciples, take up your cross daily and deny yourself. And then the disciples did that. And Paul talked about how he did that. The apostle Paul said, I die daily. That that's that baptism of repentance. In John chapter one, immediately following the baptism of Jesus in verses 35 through 40, the, this, the, these verses seem to indicate that before Jesus ever got to the wilderness, which is the next thing that Jesus did, that was the next big event, or at least I should say that's what I've always thought was the next big event. But as I've been studying Christ chronologically, it seems that before he even got to the wilderness, he started gathering disciples because John's disciples started following him. And we read about that in John chapter one, verses 35 through 40. I'm going to read those. The following day, John, by the way, this is NLT that I'm reading, NLT version. The following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, look, there is the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. This was an immediate, this seems to be an immediate reaction. Verse 38, Jesus looked around and saw them following. (laughs) This cracks me up a little bit. (laughs) What do you want? He asked them. (laughs) He's like, hey man, I'm just out here walking. These guys are following me. They replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Verse 39, 
Come and see, he said. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying, and they remained with him the rest of the day. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. And then the chapter goes on to talk about how Andrew went at that point. These these two men that had been with Jesus, they went and told other people about him. And perhaps this is where we find Jesus going into the wilderness. It's not very clear, but I think it's a good place for my purposes to go into this next phase of Jesus' life immediately after Christ's demonstration of repentance. Matthew 4, chapter 4, verse 1, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. The Spirit led him there. Mark one twelve actually uses the phrase, The Spirit driveth. The spirit driveth him. And so that word driveth is talking about a force. After that demonstration, after that we must fulfill all righteousness, the supernatural realm began to draw him, force him, push him, woo him to step into his purpose when the scripture says he was led, that means to bring into a higher place in, in Mark where it says it, the spirit driveth him. That's with implication of force overcoming opposite force. So employed, this is the definition of that, of that word drives, driveth him. So employed that the rapid motion of the one going is transferred to the one sending the the power of of going into that next season was impacting on both the sender and the sendee the person going and the person sending the the impact was of such and the word wilderness i i'm not sure why i have conjured various imagery as I've grown up in the church, but anytime I've ever heard the word wilderness, I always picture a desert place, like a desert, literally with no greenery, nothing but sand. I'm, I'm not sure if it's movies that I've seen, pictures that I've seen. I, I don't know why that imagery has been in my mind, but it always has. The word wilderness literally means solitary, lonely, desolate, uninhabited. So Jesus was driven away from the people he had just gotten to know. Jesus was driven away from those people and situations he had just started engaging in. And he was, he was driven. He was pulled with such a force into a lonely place, a place uninhabited. In our lives, God has to sometimes get us away 
from the noise so that we can get to know him as well as be, get to know our own selves, get to know what we are capable of as we are following to be like Christ. You know, the other thing that the scripture says here in Matthew 4, 1, Jesus was led up of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. The word tempt means to try whether a thing can be done. Can, can this thing be done? It also means to prove. It, it means to prove. James 1, 13 and 14 also talks about temp, being tempted. It says, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own own lust and enticed these these dna this dna that we deal with our own nature has certain desires and and bends and and wants and when we are tempted satan is not offering us something that is not a part of what we want. He, we, we are tempted when we are drawn away of our own lust and enticed. And that's why, since it's our own lust, that's why we put reins and bridles on ourselves to say, absolutely not. I'm going to build a habit that combats my own lust and desires so that when the enemy comes, I have safeguarded, I have built a boundary. David said, my reins direct me in the night season. I have put reins on myself when the sun was shining bright, when I was uh, feeling good, I was feeling the goosebumps while the preacher was teaching the word of God. I was reading, I was studying and whew, revelation and insight came and I made some decisions about my attitude, about my, my speech, about my dress, about my behavior, about, about things. I made some decisions and I am going to live by those decisions. And the Holy Ghost is such a help for that. The Holy Ghost is a power that lives in us and helps us. Let me get back on this, this point of Christ. So when Christ was in the wilderness, he was in the wilderness being tempted with escapism. I've, I've never really thought of these temptations of Christ this way, but he was tempted in the wilderness, in that lonely place. The devil came to him and he tempted him by saying, turn these stones to bread. He tempted him by saying, throw yourself down. The angels will lift you up. You won't be able to, you know, not even dash your foot against a stone. He tempted him with, with giving him the power of all the kingdoms if he would bow down and worship him. These are temptations of escapism that each of us should be aware that we face and we have woven in us to be drawn away by our own lust. 
turn these stones to bread. I'm going to say a phrase that we immediately get an image of golden arches of, and I don't necessarily mean that, but this first escapism is fast food. Turn these stones to bread. You're out here in a lonely, isolated place. You've been fasting for 40 days. Turn these stones to bread. Escapism. And I, I'm not trying to talk against fast food. I, I consume it periodically, but I am just aware that so many of us feel inadequate because we've not taken care of our health. And one of the ways that we do not take care of our our health, besides the fact that we ignore exercise, we ignore keeping our bodies moving, but we don't care at all about the nutritional value of what we put in our mouth. And that's escapism. We do not want to go through the effort of proper nutrition. Okay, I'm going to get off of it, but it's interesting to think about. I've only thought about the fact that Satan might have been trying to get Jesus to break his fast, and I guess that's there. But that the fact that he was saying, quickly eat, came to me. The second temptation of escapism is angels rescuing you from your own bad choices. Throw yourself down from here. That's what Satan told him to do. He took him to a high place. He said, throw yourself down. The angels will pick you up. And this is again, something that we deal with. We don't balance our budget properly. We don't properly take care of our money. We are rude to members of our family. We aren't guarding our tongue. We say sharp things. And and then we want God to come in and be a fairy godmother and bibbidi-bobbidi-boo us out of situations we've got ourselves into. This is not how the Lord wants us to operate. God wants us to operate with wisdom. And then the third temptation was power over others. If you worship me, I will give you power over others. Escapism. Not having to be surrendered to anybody. He he was offering Jesus the opportunity to not have to be surrendered to the laws of the land, to anybody. Have power over others. Jesus already had all the power in heaven and earth. We function in a world that has governments that we do not have power over. And we've got to learn to navigate properly within this situation. You've got uh, later in Jesus' life, you've got Jesus asking Peter. And to me, Jesus was clearly saying that he he was not um, 
a fan of the Roman Empire ruling in Israel. And he asked him a question about taxes. And, and uh, to, to me, that whole passage, I'll, I'll get to it later in the series, but to me, that whole passage is Jesus indicating that he was not happy about the Roman Empire, the Roman government ruling in Israel. And yet, Jesus said, we're going to pay our taxes. Let's, let's get in sync with what's happening here. Christ's response to escapism was the word of God. Matthew chapter four, verses three through 10, we find Jesus continually coming against Satan by saying, it is written. And then he quotes a scripture. It is written. And then he quotes a scripture. But I want to point out that he wasn't merely quoting scripture. He was specifically quoting instruction. He was himself as a man to live by. And therefore, obedience to law is how Jesus refuted Satan. Obedience to instruction. In Matthew 4, 4, Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. There was an instruction. Man shall not live by bread alone. And Christ followed that instruction. He obeyed that directive. In Matthew 4, 7, Jesus said unto him, It is written, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. He followed instruction. He was obedient to an instruction that was given. Matthew 4, 10, Jesus say, Jesus then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. This was an instruction that Jesus quoted to him. The word of God is powerful, but it's not just the word of God. It's also instruction and obedience to the word of God that makes it powerful. You can quote scripture to your tempter all day long, but if you are not following the instruction that you are quoting, then you're, you've got empty words. As we try to follow Christ, mimic Christ, then I have to say to us a very hard thing, and that is do not reject your wilderness calling. The wilderness calling involves Jesus leaving his new students, his friends. The the wilderness calling includes withdrawing from social circles for a season and a reason. And, and when you withdraw from social, social circles for a season and a reason, then that is good. But let me add a little note here, and that is isolating because you're bitter is not good. Because you're angry at someone's behavior or you don't like it, and so you isolate yourself, that's not healthy. It's not good for you. But if you are in that wilderness place, if you go to a place where nobody else is, it's uninhabited, and you're in that wilderness place for your calling, that's a good reason to be there. 
But in that wilderness place, you will need to reject all escapism. Escapism is a trap. You'll, if you're not careful, you will rise up in arrogance and in your own self-righteousness because you are fasting and because you are in the wilderness, you will have a, have a mind that says I'm doing better than the rest of those Christians that are all gathering in that church. You've got to be careful about that. You, you don't want to in that place of the wilderness, think that you deserve the power of all the kingdoms. Remember that Jesus did not come out of the wilderness into the lap of luxury. A lot of times when we are in a wilderness season, we expect a lap of luxury as our reward for being in the wilderness. But if we're going to follow Christ and behave like Christ, Jesus did not come out of the wilderness straight into a lap of luxury. Jesus came out of the wilderness to busyness. He came out of the wilderness empowered and ready to do the work of the Lord. You remember he, he already had students waiting. There were miracles waiting. When you come out of your wilderness, don't come out expecting the lap of luxury. Come out saying, here's my hands, put me to work. Here's my, my voice, put it to work. Here's my mind, put it to work. That daily baptism of repentance where we take on the mind of Christ, we put aside our own purpose, we defeat the enemy by staying in in the instruction of the word of God, by following that. God has good things for you on the other side of the wilderness. God has purpose, a new life, new wisdom, new direction, light, insight. And it will include those that were with you when you went into the wilderness you won't come out of the wilderness and not have those people around anymore. Jesus had ministry to John when he came out of the wilderness. Jesus had the responsibility of teaching day and night when he came out of the wilderness. But it's a fulfilling place. It's going into the wilderness to shed the noise and your personal ambitions and to get to know who you are, to prove that being in those moments of temptation where it is proven to you what you are capable of. You know, if you have a calling on your life like Jesus did, and, and like I believe we all do, I believe every human has a calling on their life. It's really easy to be frustrated at the people not acknowledging that call. And when you go into the wilderness, you 
because you're alone, if you are not very purposeful with how you connect with the Lord and that you take in the word of God and that you are in the wilderness to shed your own ambition, that's, you got to shed your own ambition in the wilderness. Prove that you are coming out of the fire with the sludge of your own self having risen to the top and let the Lord remove that. That's what the wilderness is for. And when you come out of that wilderness, you will come out able to fulfill your calling like you've never known possible before. God, I pray right now that you will help me and the listener. Help us, Lord, to hear your voice. Help us to be brave enough to take that step into the wilderness. We know that all things work together for good. Help us, Lord, to combat the lies of the enemy, the bitterness that the enemy would like to sow, the tares. Help us, Lord, to prove, to to come to a place of completeness so that you can use us the way we need to be used by you. Use us for your glory. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray.